have the opportunity to celebrate Acacia's birthday with all of you. Yes, and actually for our friends in Australia, it already is March 17th, I believe, correct? Yes, we have a double celebration since it's Acacia's birthday and it is Acacia's, uh, not only Acacia's birthday, but St. Patrick's Day. He's having trouble hearing you, Pam. Yeah, I just saw that. And of course, you, you do have to have your speaker hit. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pam is adjusting her speaker. I'm not sure if everybody it. can hear her yet. Can you hear <laughs> Pam now? Hello there. Hello. Bonjour and bienvenue. They still can't hear me. Okay. They still can't hear you, Pam. Oh, Betty you can, can hear me oh, Okay. Now. Betty can hear now. Lorraine, feel, can you hear her now? Oh, great. Jenny can hear us both. I'm so excited. We have so many yes. people joining us this, yes, thank for you. this fun occasion. So. Good to see you, Betty and Sierra, Karen, Joni, Esty Martin, a... who I'm, Lorraine, we... MJ, and Lori and Kez. Everybody, so we, uh, we do we do have a nice bartender here, and he's, yes, at the uh, cafe. At the cafe, he's uh, very French and very good looking, and so it, he's. Uh, going on his uh, merry way he's he's mixing some uh, martinis and uh, he does have gray goose uh, in case uh, Nicholas decides to stop by which you never know you um, never know <laughs> you never know is right <laughs> <laughs> well and I wanted to let everybody know that as as we mentioned on the Wednesday podcast Pam and I decided to do the extra podcast every month because time zones essentially in Pam's words suck <laughs> and we wanted to really try and include people who may not always be able to tune in to an earlier time uh, according to New York time zone so uh, we're trying to give everyone a chance to participate so once a month on a Friday we're going to do a recap of what we've done on uh, the Wednesday podcasts. We're hoping that this works out for everybody. Um, we do know there's going to be some people who still aren't going to be able to reach us, but we want to try and uh, bring the party of uh, Nicholas and Acacia to you as much as we can. Hi, Susie. I see you joined. So good to see you. And Betty, hey, needs, a, Betty needs a drink, and she's going for his beret. So, yeah, it should be fun. So. Yes, yes, and Maite's wishing happy birthday to Acacia mm -hmm. and waving. <laughs> there are a couple of our friends from Miami. <laughs> I, I love that. I was there last week, and I'm so sad I'm not. <laughs> after, after today's cold, I think I would like to be there myself right now. Absolutely, Ugh. absolutely. So we're going to set the stage for you uh, with Acacia's party. Um, and also then kind of do a little bit of a recap of uh, some of her favorites and then some uh, words and questions from one of our favorites. Mm -hmm. 
SR. SR. Mm-hmm. And we'll be recapping uh, the chapters. Yes. So as you know, uh, Cassia's favorite artist is Monet, Claude Monet, and he was uh, born in 1840, and he actually died in 1926. And her favorite painting of his was especially was especially Twilight in Venice. Um, it's such a beautiful painting. It is. I it love is. it. One of the things when Monet was becoming an artist, and and I drew this actually from my dear neighbor Phil, who's if you've heard, listened to the song Coming In was was done by uh, Gilbert Montagne who's a famous French singer, he's blind but he was also Phil and his late wife Colette's uh, nephew, so I, I kind of merged that into it, but um, Phil's also an, filled me in on a lot of art history, especially on, on Monet um, he was known for actually drawing portraits in the beginning and he, he did very well with it and he started to be able to get a little bit of uh, feedback and, and at that some commercial success and his mother liked him so she sent him off to uh, a, work with a guy by the name of Jacques Francois Ouchard and he uh, gave, her, gave him drawing lessons. When he outgrew that he went on to uh, Eugene Baudin who was from the city of Le Havre, which is a coastal town in France, and he was his main uh, mentor in his painting mm-hmm. work. Uh, he really that was he he was inspired him, and it was his biggest influence. And one of the things about being in Le Havre was he got to draw a lot of the water, and so you notice in the movement of twilight. Uh, in Venice, you can see in his paint strokes the movement of the water and, and in other paintings that are very similar to that. He was also conscripted into the French army where he spent time in Algiers and that's what gave him his ability to look at um, light and colors in a different way because of the way the colors in Algeria are. Uh, he later went on to work with some a Dutch painter and you, in his beginning paintings you can see the darkness that's the Dutch influence that he he picked up and then he got into more of the the lighter colors and and movement he was also the founder of French Impressionism along with Manet, uh, Renoir and Pissarro and his big thing was the periphery of movement uh, he in I think it was in 1880, give or take, don't quote me. Um, he bought he he rented his home in Giverny, which is in the Normandy region of France, and mm. was at, at one, yeah, and was at one point able to uh, actually buy the house, and he started this whole landscaping um, gardens and in the front of his house he's got these huge gardens that come out with all kinds of flowers and when I was there in October there were um, they had fall crocuses which were a little different than what we see here in, in the New, in Philadelphia area of, of the crocuses in spring and you also have um, chrysanthemums and uh, dahlias and some other beautiful pl- colorful plants but it also he created this Japanese garden so when you see irises, his painting of irises, or if you see the bridge with the, the uh, trees coming down, that was all part of his garden that he painted from. Um, 
so they are still tended today by people. The uh, house is still there. You can tour the house. The kitchen is a kind of kitchen you want to have even today. Um, big, open, you can have lots of people. Which would have been very unusual for that time period, right? I mean, usually the kitchens were smaller at that time. And I'm seeing in the chat room, Susie was saying about the Impressionists are a favorite of hers, Mm -hmm. um, that she's actually very fortunate because a collection from the Musée d'Orsay will Mm -hmm. be arriving in Adelaide, Australia later this month. So fantastic, Susie. You're going to be able to have an opportunity to see some of the Impressionists um, firsthand, which is fantastic. And I only wish, I'm so glad you had a chance to go to Givonnet, Pam. It must have been extraordinary. It was extraordinary. Uh, in the pictures that I used when I was, was used for the, the party, um, there's a, an inn that we went to uh, on our tour for lunch, and, and that is where Nicholas is taking Acacia. It is. The, it, it's very old. It's got a uh, water pa- water wheel that would they they would have been able to grind their own wheat and whatever. Um, and the food was delicious. The wine was outrageous. And it's out in the middle of the country with nothing around them, except a, a pasture on the other side of the brook that uh, has a lot of cows in it. So even you know like the dairy products were all fresh. And I just remember this one cow, and I hope it's still there for when Nicholas and Nicasia get there, has a big white heart on his head. And I just thought that was the coolest thing because it's something you don't see very often, especially with with cows and stuff. So, yeah, so it was wonderful. It was really wonderful. It does, so, and it sounds gorgeous. Betty says it sounds very romantic. And I know um, Susie and Kez are having some trouble uh, buffering with mm-hmm. buffering. So I'm hoping they're going to be able to resolve that. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you all saw P- Betty in the chat room saying, the little, little cows, cows are reminding cows her, remind her of Paul. Of well, Betty, when <laughs> Be- you and Paul can get together, and I'll give you the uh, directions as to where it is, and I'll send you pictures, and maybe you two can uh, work out, work in a uh, a trip over, <laughs> and you can well, you'll enjoy that, the maybe cows that, or too. That could, that could be that could be part of the next story, right, Betty? That could be. That could be. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, who Susie wants to know. That's Come so on. funny. And Lori, Lori was saying how cool it sounds. Definitely, real, yeah, it, it is, sounds it, it really is a good. Lovely, lovely place. And uh, I, you know, I hope I can win the lottery so I can go back to it because I would definitely spend some time there. It's gorgeous. That would be fantastic. Yes. So, so, one of the things that we talked about um, now that we know where Acacia's being uh, swept away to by Nicholas for her birthday. Um, We often have many questions for our favorite author who writes these books. Um, And we were very fortunate enough to have uh, SR join us on the first podcast. Um, For those of you who weren't able to join us, we wanted to kind of recap the questions. The first one I had for him was why Colony? Um, Why was Colony Switzerland selected for uh, the setting for the prologue in The Man in the Black Suit. And SR shared that there is a very interesting private museum there 
called the Fondation Bagmar. And the village itself, which is situated next to Geneva and the lake, is very beautiful. He said, from there you have a great view of the Alps and Mont Blanc. Uh, but check out the website for the Bodmer, Bodmer Museum, which is the inspiration for Nicholas's family museum. He said, it is a family-owned museum that also owns a famous portrait of Dante by Botticelli. And it's open to the public because he's actually visited. And I'll make sure I post that link to... Uh... The, our Twitter feed so you can take a look at that so one of the things we asked him what, what, what drew him to Switzerland and I'll put it in the chat room now okay um, he as said well okay he said Switzerland for him Switzerland was very beautiful the landscape is particularly interesting and the Swiss are interesting people which I'm, I've heard that they are but it's also the land of chocolate and cheese fondue <laughs> Sounds like heaven to me. I want to go. I want to go right now. <laughs> yeah, Kez said that would be great. MJ mm -hmm. said awesome. And Betty says we need to go to that museum. I uh -huh. agree, Betty. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> we also asked uh, how does SR select names in, when he approaches writings? And for the names, part of it has to do with the culture of the character. Part of it has to do with the sound of the name. And he likes to choose names that are unusual, which makes perfect sense. That makes sense. Uh, we also asked him in, in regard to the prologue, we, we were saying that the story that starts with the robbery and the death of Riva Kasserer, uh, do you follow, asked him if we followed art, art thefts or any that had been recovered. And we used the Gardner Museum in Boston as an example. Uh, they had they had Rembrandt's Degas and Vermeer's taken, which have never been found. And I know it was the most expensive uh, theft that the FBI has ever worked on, and are still working on. So uh, that was uh, in, in, interesting to me. But he also said he's interested in art. He enjoys reading and writing about it. And he did a lot of research on the major art thefts of the 20th century, the Gardner being one of them. Um, the other, although the FBI recently claimed they know who did it, and that there were a major theft from the Musée uh, de Modern in Paris, which he discusses in the uh, Man in the Black Suit. He gave us a link uh, to that about a Spider-Man burglar jailed at the, at the museum. Uh, regarding the theft, and we'll I'll post that link out into the uh, into our Twitter feed at that at a later time. Yes. Also. Yep. Pam will post it in Twitter, and I will post it into our chat, okay. so you have access to it hopefully. And I know that Asar had so many great things to share with us. Um, many in the chat room are saying how they'd like to visit. I know Betty wants to visit Geneva, Switzerland. MJ uh, noted that Switzerland seems to be very beautiful. And I, just from photos I've seen and also the description and the way that SR wrote um, and described the setting, um, it sounds breathtaking. I'm hoping to get there sometime. Uh, yeah. Susie mentioned Interlaken and Lucerne are also beautiful cities in Switzerland. I had actually had a friend who was transferred to Zurich 
uh, she worked for um, a company in New York and uh, she was there for about five years and she loved it she loved the Swiss she she was she loved being in Zurich and she it was very easy to travel around from there so you know it was um, it, it would be a beautiful place to visit I think so yeah. Um, and, and, you know, as we're moving on to some of his other, the other questions, uh, Pam, actually, you had a really good question uh, regarding a Hebrew saying that has inspired mm-hmm. you. If you touch one person, you touch generations. Um, there's also one in the Quran. If you save a life, you save the world. Uh, we asked SR in his research if he found many similarities in our world traditions, in our world religious traditions. And SR said, very much. Of course, there are differences between the major religious traditions, but a number of the ethical teachings are the same. Be hospitable, give to charity, honor your parents, don't murder, don't steal, forgive, etc. Mm-hmm. So, so I would and expect nothing less from no, SR than that I'm, response. Very, even, very much even, a common, cup-binding common ground. And even before we we ha- we sent him any of the questions for our first podcast, and in reading the book, I even and a question that sent him an email when I asked him about that, because I just found it so fascinating that he you know would be. I knew he would do the research, but you know that he would study the different forms of religion and and their similarities and their and their differences. So I thought that was very cool. Uh, definitely. Yeah. And in so, the chat room, we have. A lot of, uh, you know, chocolate, chocolate. chocolate. <laughs> I love Joni saying she's having fond memories of her roommate from college who was Swiss, and she hung her Monet water lilies and gave her chocolate. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. a roommate to keep. That, <laughs> I exactly. Hope still, I hope you're still connected to her in some way. What a wonderful, what a wonderful college experience you must have had. Um, and everybody's agreeing with the Swiss chocolates mm-hmm. being wonderful. And one thing that was asked of me by friends who knew that I would be coming through duty-free shops was, can you get me some Swiss chocolate? <laughs> <laughs> like, I yeah, don't okay. blame them. Yeah. And trust me, I live in the land of chocolate. I'm about 10 minutes from Hershey, Pennsylvania. So there is a place called Hershey um, where the chocolate light, bars kisses are made. <laughs> And if the wind's blowing in the right direction, I smell the chocolate. Mm-hmm. But so, don't go through the factory. But in the it's summer. not quite the same. It's not quite the same as Swiss chocolate. It's just true. something a little bit different. That's true. Um, so one of the other <laughs> the other question we had another question we had for SR was um, uh, in regard to how he came up with the idea of Nicholas and Acacia, and I I had known it in a in a previous chat that he had mentioned the night manager which was a great show um he and i asked him if he that he if he wrote an outline in notes and when you create your outline do you know how you're going to end the story and then start filling in the blanks he said usually he has an idea of a complete arc of the novel but sometimes the minor pile it's too much wine (laughs) (laughs) excuse me eve Hold off there. Um, he uh, he said that uh, in the minor 
plot points changes over time as the story develops, and you have to give the characters some freedom uh, to see how they react to certain situations, uh, how they treat characters as persons. He says he says he assumes they are real and try to imagine what they would say and how they would say, act, etc. Sometimes mm-hmm. you have a goal for a scene, but you realize that the outcome that you directed towards doesn't fit with the character. So you have to go on a different direction. For example, back in Gabriel's Inferno, he didn't realize Julia would end up at the apartment after she found him drunk in the bar. But but I he realized that she would be worried about his health and safety, so she would stay with, with him. And Chris asked, what I particularly adored uh, was the mingling of the cultures in the story. It was brought very ma- very masterfully. But why was that, Nassar? Why different cultures? And he said, Chris, I worry about our world, and so the novel was a way to bring together cultures and people assume are opposed to one another. I care what happens around the world and how people are treated. I want peace, and Sandy, my question is, your character would talk to you and what would they tell you to ask and and he just said Gabriel and Julia <laughs> well and as I'm looking at the uh, I know Susie was commenting what a brilliant series the Gabriel series was and for those of you um, who are just discovering Sylvain Reynard if, uh, and if The Man in the Black Suit is your first novel that you've read by him we highly encourage you to read his other work, um, the Gabriel series, as well as the Florentine series. You will not be disappointed. Absolutely. And one of the questions that we had um, and had mentioned, and, and I see MJ saying that she loves that he promotes diversity and acceptance among people around the world. Mm-hmm. And, and and that leads into my question that I had for him. Um, and I noted after connecting through Twitter as part of, the SR community, um, I had a chance to meet Pam uh, when I was in Philadelphia for work. And that's since Pam lives near Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And subsequently, Pam and I got together to visit where Julia and Gabriel's hometown um, exists called Salins Grove, Pennsylvania. And let me tell you, the audiobook says Salins Grove, but they say Sealins Grove. Just a little inside scoop for you from central Pennsylvania. And we went to Sealins Grove in search of the orchard. <laughs> that was <laughs> an adventure. <laughs> it was a true adventure. It was really, really fun. Um, mm-hmm. We visited Susquehanna University, uh, which is a real school, which is a real college. Um, in Salins Grove, Pennsylvania. We explored the town, and we asked SR what literary pilgrimages um, had he gone on. Mm -hmm. And his response was, I think it's great that Leslie and Pam did the road trip. What a great day. Uh, Florence was a pilgrimage for Dante. He's been, SR's been to Russia, also Paris. He's been to England and Scotland. Uh, the idea of a pilgrimage is a great one, and he likes to visit cities when he's going to write about them. Mm-hmm. Um, in that same line of thought, MG had asked, that's amazing, SR, besides Florence, which is one of his favorites of, which is one of his favorite places of all mentioned in his novels. He had said Paris, 
uh, he tries to write in such a way as to take the readers with him. That's his goal. That way we travel together, which is, is fantastic. An awesome, <laughs> an awesome uh, road trip. <laughs> it was an awesome road trip. Except I'm still and looking for that orchard. <laughs> <laughs> we never did quite find the orchard. No, we ended up on a dirt road. <laughs> we did. It went into a forest. It was almost mm. a little bit like um... <laughs> going through uh... <laughs> deliverance. We might have to do another journey up to uh, Feelings Grove and see if we could find the, yes. the orchard. Yes. <laughs> and MJ in the chat room said, Gabriel series is the series that touches and changes lives. It's really special. It is. And that it is. I see Martin says, SR's books always leave me feeling better and hopeful. Absolutely. Um, and Betty was shocked the name is pronounced differently. I was too, Betty. I have to tell you, I wasn't sure how they research, because um, I know some of the actors do research um, the colloquialisms. Uh, so, yeah, it was slightly different. Not a major thing, but usually the, the locals say Sealins Grove, not Salins Grove. Um, yeah, you, but you I can be, listen to John Morgan all day and all night, so I love the way he pronounced it. And you got to be careful of those locals because you never know what you're going to come by. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the truth. And Joni loved the fact that he said we travel together. Um, mm -hmm. I enjoy that too, Joni, because I feel like we we are on a journey together when we read his his works. Yeah, because he he literally takes you there and. and... Mm -hmm. And I can attest on on my trip, both with Paris and with with uh, Florence. Um, you you know, I, after reading, not so much the Paris portion, but the Florence portion, you go there and and you can vision envision William on top of the Uffizi or in the Loggia, and you can see where the inspector was hung, you know, and, and it was hysterical. I'm like, I wonder where this, you know, happened. And the loggia where the infamous Hankies came from. And um, <laughs> so, yeah, so it's great. It's great that, you know, he does that. Uh, so we also asked SR when he wrote The Man in the Black Suit, and he said that right after he'd finished The Roman, and it was published in December, and he says, usually I write one novel at once. He has trouble doing more than one at, a at the same time. He wrote one novel after the other, and right now he's working on the fourth Gabriel book. And he says, Zusa, and for whatever reason, I don't remember Zusa in any of the books, but anyway, she's, they're, they're going to be in the fourth Gabriel book. Um, as far as Columbia asked, sometimes new characters pop us I, I do remember Zusa. Zusa was her friend from Harvard. Oh, okay. Am okay. I right? Oh, that's Ladies right. That's right. Room? From the Am I correct? Yeah. Yes, I remember that now. I remember that yes. now. Thank it, you. For... It took me a minute. You're welcome. Yes. <laughs> Losing my mind. It's too much wine, I think. Anyway. <laughs> I need um, more wine. Mm -hmm, you need exactly. less. <laughs> Something like that. And then uh, the chat but, room is celebrating the fact that there's a fourth book. We are all so excited about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he says, sometimes the new characters pop up in your head in the middle of another story. Like, for example, there's someone new in your head while writing the fourth book. And as I responded, uh, see, 
yes, to <laughs> SRS Columbia. Judith asked, uh, Greek mythology, why is it important to have it mentioned? She said she loves it, and but why Greek, Greek and Roman mythology are interesting. But like Dante, people don't read them anymore, so part of what I'm trying to do is transmit old stories. And the stories were meant to prompt reflection and discussion. Chris had asked, do you have a background in literature and history? And he said, the themes develop with the characters in the story, but I usually write about subjects I'm reflecting on, things that trouble me, things I'd like us all to reflect on. Which is really <sighs> apparent in, in this particular book uh, that we're talking about tonight. Yeah, yes. It, it really the, is. Yeah. Um, so we've also, we also asked if he had written poetry, and he said yes, but not for public consumption. Uh, sometimes he'll write for the characters. Gabriel writes for Julia. Which we uh, love. Yes. So Chris told him uh, he once did a poem on Twitter, which he couldn't remember, but commented, he forgets things. Uh, I'm in the thrall of all you lovely readers, and you, t you talk me into things, and I end up drunk, broke, tattooed, and under a bridge while being arrested. <laughs> <laughs> and we said we have bail money just yes, in case. Yes, we all have the bail money. <laughs> <laughs> and in the chat room, uh, MJ was commenting that he is a great teacher. I mean, professor. <laughs> we learned so much with him. And I think we all, many of us agree with him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Betty's mm -hmm. asking, I wonder if Paul writes poems. <laughs> I'm sure he oh, does, Betty, Betty. I love it. I'm sure he would write beautiful poems for you. That's correct. I have no doubt. Um, <laughs> one of the other things uh, in our in our first podcast with SR uh, that he was willing and, and interested, we were interested in hearing from him was about the self-publishing experience, uh, because as some of you may know that this and this was a new experience for him and he said it was a good experience he said the primary advantage is that he doesn't have to wait a year from when he submits the manuscript to when it's released uh, traditional publishers can be quite slow in production certainly you have more control when you self-publish uh, he took a lot of risks in the man in the black suit and he didn't have to worry about an editor looking askance but he was lucky because the Gabriel series and the Florentine series were written the way that he wanted them. And I'm so glad for that. Mm -hmm. um, he was already on the New York Times list before Berkeley picked him up. So he had the readership already backing him up when he was signed to Berkeley. He owes everything to the readers. Um, and he continued. He knows his readers and he knows what they read. And so he writes for them, but he tries to bring them with him on his journey. Uh, yes, you've created a positive, global, compassionate community that is marked by care for neighbors. People around the world crave this community, and we have it right here. Mm -hmm. and God Which is very true. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and, uh... and Monica was saying, SR writes poetry through the novels. I completely agree. Absolutely. Lori, Lori said that uh, Paul would write poet, poems for Betty. Mm -hmm. S.C. Martin thinks that Paul would write poetry, and Betty would love to hear Paul's poems. <laughs> like how Mary Sunshine <laughs> can join me when I listen to him recite his poems. 
Patty, <laughs> uh, uh, as as uh, from speaking of personal experience, it's a lot. It's a lot nicer to get the poems sent to you, so that you can read them on your own first, and <laughs> appreciate the uh, feeling and the the emotion in that poem that comes to you. Yes, yes. yes. And MJ said that she's so proud of SR and. The Man in the Black Suit is such an amazing story. Every book is better than the one before. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So great. So great. <laughs> it is his cloak instrumental weapon. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yep. yep. So then um, we asked him what he did with his free time when he wasn't writing. He says, apart from talking to you great people, he likes to travel. He likes food and drink, and he likes to read. He is a skier, <laughs> and he was trying to get us all drunk the night of the chat. Um, <laughs> and he kept repeating, yes, news, big news, great news is coming. Cannot wait for the news. Yes. So excited. <laughs> Sometime when are you getting soon. It? Sometime he says, soon. good news is coming. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait. Um, and actually, uh, hope, of course, I'm hoping the news has to do with my next question, um, which was, uh, I asked him as he becomes more widely known, particularly if a film or TV series propels his name to the stratosphere, I asked SR how he would protect his anonymity. And he said, Leslie, it's a risk, but there are some endeavors that are worth the risk. And readers and the big news that I have are worth the risk. Uh, SR fans from Columbia had asked if a movie series comes to happen, how would he handle all the movie fans and book fans in order to keep the peace among his fandom? And SR said, we all know that everyone has their own opinions and wants different things. And some might get angry about certain things. So division starts to appear. Um, what advice would you give to movie fans, book fans, in order to keep them united? This was part of the question. SR said, for the readers, there's no way to make a play, film, or series that would make everyone happy. But if you believe in the project and in the company, you do your very best. He says, it looks like there is going to be a formal announcement, and I don't know when that will be. It could be as early as a couple of weeks. It could be later. Believe me says SR. If it were up to me, I'd have the announcement out by now. I can't mm-hmm. wait. I can't wait either. I know. You Tara know. says, I don't think any of us can wait. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> MJ's been wondering if the movie, that would be the best news ever, Fing Crossing yes. Your Fingers. Yes. Movie, movie produced by E.L. James. Come on. Mm-hmm. That has to be, right? Mm-hmm. He has the production chops now. And Betty's like, we need a movie, and a movie would be amazing. And I think Guillermo del Toro should direct the Florentine series. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That would be so great. Lori says, yes, Betty. Yeah, as long as it's not a fish in water. You know, I just, that that, that movie just, I don't know. Anyhow. Um, (laughs) We also gave a book away. we had over 900 entries in our, our raffle copter uh, promotion of, of the book, which was amazing. And so SR has promised that uh, 
sometime within this year, he'll donate another book to the podcast, and we will uh, send that out. I know that Packy received the book. She said she posted a picture of it uh, this week, so I, I was I'm very happy for her. Yes, congratulations, Packy. That was great, and we were so excited that everybody was participating, um, and it, we're very thrilled that uh, there will be another uh, signed copy available for uh, later this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Betty also says, I bet Guillermo del Toro would love Raven and Willie. <laughs> Probably. And Susie wanted to know who he was. Uh, Guillermo del Toro, I don't know if you've, um, the movie that uh, won, what was that with the, the fish movie? The Shape of Water. The Shape of Water. I don't know if that movie, you have that movie and he was the director of it and he won the Oscar. So, yeah. Yes. Yes, as Lori Lori mentioned, he won the Oscar this year for Best Director. Mm-hmm. Um, he definitely does a great job with um, fantasy, and yes, um, he would he would I, I do agree, Betty. He would be have an amazing vision for uh, the Florentine series. It, it I I can fat I can just imagine what that would look what like on the do. screen. He used yep. he works with top notch cinematographers. It would be so beautiful. Amazing. Uh, uh, well you know it's funny I saw uh, just a, a sidebar. Uh I saw Guillermo del Toro do an in- interview about the movie and uh it, the whole movie came from his love of the creature in the black lagoon. And after the horror movies of the creature in the Black Lagoon, it sort of died out. And what happens to the creature? So that's how this story came about, which I thought was fascinating. Um, yeah, you know, as a, as, a, as a little girl, I can remember going to the horror movies. And um, I had a boyfriend at one time who called them uh, uh, do a, a thing of... Uh, um, you know, the, the the boys would call them opportunity movies because they could stick their <laughs> arm around you. <laughs> Whatever, when you so. were when you were scared, they would pull you a little closer. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So then, uh, we went on to uh, start the podcast uh, again with uh, we did a uh, things of the prologue, overviews of the prologue in chapter one. And um, we asked quite a few questions of um, of SR about the about the uh, about you know the different chapters, and with uh, but with the prologue we went into we started looking at the family relationships between his brother and his sister, indicating how close they were, how they teased each other while they were, you know, while he was trying to get her to come home and and how important that was at that point um absolutely and and they really focused on her role in the family and that she was the art historian went to the sorbonne um really focusing on art and history and uh, the preservation of art uh which you know was a recurring theme uh throughout uh not just this work, but there, I think throughout all of SR's work, he really elevates art and um, art history. And I love the fact that uh, art preservation was uh, 
kind of an ongoing theme um, for the man in the black suit because of uh, the Raven uh, character being uh, being part of uh, the Florentine series mm-hmm. was involved in preserving art in Florence. So um, that was really great. Yeah. Um, we also, you know, we, we talked about um, the the robbery itself and how it had gone wrong. We wondered what happened with Terry, the security guard, and uh, did they take it, take him out, lock him up? Was he part of the uh, the whole thing? Um, and we also saw Hirsch, Reva's shock at uh, cutting of this one painting, one picture in particular. And uh, when the guys saw her, they came after Reva and they just knocked her on the head. And at that point in the story, uh, you know, that prologue, that was hard to read, I, at least for me, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, she, she was excited to be seeing her brother and you know she was going about her business and when she had the realization that something terrible was happening um and they hit her on the head at that point i didn't know i didn't know what happened to her like i didn't know if she was just knocked out or if the injuries were more serious and you know we kind of were left hanging as we entered chapter one right and as we we that was that part was set in Paris and, and here we have this man in a bespoke black suit come walking into the Hotel Vitoire and Betty had a question that we asked SR about what song was played in the background when Pierre would walk into the hotel and uh, as Acacia looked at the bodyguard we and he told us that it would he said the best would be the theme from Peter Gunn and uh which when you think about it would work you know it it was just in just the way it's set up and the way you could see him walking through the hotel um he's because he's on the phone and he and you know it's you know in just the way he carries himself you know paris is one of those great world cities um and it's the center of art and food and wine and there's a lot of today there's a lot of different cultures immigration issues are prevalent which i could see while i was there and and as you've heard in the news with the bataclan and uh with uh, other incidences that have happened uh in the city um so there's there's this large and an immigration feeling and it's unfortunately it's it's i understand it's becoming a lot more prevalent in, in europe as well not just in paris but it's important that he had that setting in the background for for the story right it really was it you know paris is such an international city it's almost like a microcosm of the world mm-hmm. and i i think that it's a great setting to reflect upon what's going on and uh, many of you in the chat room have you know, echoed sentiments of things that we've talked about. MJ has said that SR had awakened her love for art again, and she was so glad for it. Um, and Betty, Betty was mentioning about her daydreaming of a movie trailer for Gabriel's Inferno, The Orchard Tree, and I'm glad you're on your first is in the background. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Susie agreed about not knowing exactly what happened to 
his sister when she was knocked out and how tough it was to read. Mm-hmm. And I know Tiara was mentioning that SR takes you to so many different places you wish you could visit and introduces amazing characters. And for that is one of her SR affirmations. Um, MJ actually suspected she died. I did not. I thought she was just knocked out. Um, I didn't know what was going to happen to her. I had no idea. Um, And Susie's saying she's wondering whether the big news will be about a movie relating to the man in the black suit rather than Gabriel's Inferno. Uh, This book would make an excellent movie. Now there's a thought. Susie, Mm -hmm. I cannot agree with you more. This book would be a fantastic film. And I volunteer. <laughs> Sign me up. I'll be an extra. I'll carry. I'll be a gaffer. Whatever they need mm-hmm. to do, I will do it. I'll be a gopher. Um, <laughs> uh, several other people in the chat room also thought they that she may have died as well, or Betty thought she just fainted. Um, all good. All good chats, questions, oh, yeah. and good thoughts. You know. And then we're at the hotel. And, you know, he, this man who walks in is greeted and goes to ask for Marcel. And he was very demanding to see Marcel. And um, essentially, uh, Acacia was saying, I'm sorry, he's not here, but I'm happy to help you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that was just... Uh, that was just not something that he wanted to hear. He was demanding to see Mar- Marcel. And, and you know, Pam and I talked about this. We both worked at hotels. You have to be very discreet. And you're told not to reveal uh, dis- any kind of details like that. So, and then I think it didn't make it, it, it made it even worse that Akasi actually stared at his scar. And he was very mm-hmm. self-conscious of that. Um, and it put her in kind of a bad uh, you know, a bad uh, and bad graces with the uh, special guest. Mm-hmm. So then she mentions to him that they have that she he has a reservation at Guy Savoy, and uh, you know it it's that Guy Savoy is is a a restaurant that's that's amazing in Paris. I didn't go to it. I. I'm not a five-star Michelin restaurant person. I didn't do McDonald's, <laughs> but I but I didn't go there. And um, he, you know, he was uh, Guy Savoy also trained. Um, what's his name? The blonde from Great Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay. Mm-hmm. He also has a he also has a restaurant in Las Vegas. Uh, but yeah, so that was the. Uh, what they where they were going to for that yes very very prestigious restaurant mm-hmm. very high end I guess <laughs> it's high end <laughs> enough for the menu does not have prices on it so you know if you have to ask about the prices you don't belong there <laughs> <laughs> that's the truth uh-huh. that's the truth but that's the kind of that's the kind of restaurant that uh, this guest would be accu- accustomed to, mm-hmm. and and you know it has the white glove service, and you know, and, and I I can I can honestly say that I did go to one restaurant in my lifetime. My husband took me to it years ago in Ireland, at um, the Ashford Castle, 
and mm-hmm. it was um, like love service and uh, you know it's the kind you sit down and you've got forks out the wazoo on one side knives on the other side including a fish knife and then forks <laughs> and spoons going up in front of you and I just remember embarrassing myself because there was a uh, they I had ordered a bottle of wine for myself a small bottle because my husband didn't drink and um that I went to pour my glass off a glass of wine I mean you know you order wine to drink you know you and I had this guy come running across the restaurant oh madame madame and I was like oh my god my husband says I can't take you anywhere (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it was very fancy well and it's funny because Betty says no Burger King or McDonald's for Pierre (laughs) <laughs> no, I don't think study. so. Maybe an In-N-Out <laughs> Burger. Maybe an In-N-Out Burger if he goes to California. Possibly, but, possibly. Possibly. Mm-hmm. Although I did. I was I, fun. I, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Go ahead. I was going to say there was a, Anthony Bourdain had an article this week um, in uh, a publication, and he was talking about traveling and how you go. He says, when you go to a, when you're in, in a different country or different place, don't go to the fast food joints that you would go to at home. Go to someplace else. And, and it's very true. Yeah, that is the true. the feel of the people and the food. <laughs> you get to know the true culture when you're mm-hmm. going to mm-hmm. authentic places. Exactly. Um, so and one of the other questions we had asked us are, um, you know, as we were, you know, going through chapter one and Acacia is trying to show her value as a concierge to this guest who doesn't want to talk to her and only wants to talk to Marcel. And I asked SR about Le Clef d'Or and it's a service industry um, for concierge excellence. And I asked if he knew of anyone with this designation and he said the organization's an international organization of concierges. Many concierges at fine hotels have membership in the organization and it is a mark of excellence. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, for that reason, he, you know, he had Acacia as a member of this organization to kind of show her outstanding skills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I totally agree, Karen. Look where the locals are eating. That's the best way to find. Exactly. exactly. The best way to find things out. You know, and you know, you know, he Mar- he's insisting upon seeing Marcel, and he can't be reached, and she keeps trying, and she's looking at all the records she has on on uh, Mr. Berkman, and she notices that he's uh, allergic to strawberries, and he got an- he he's getting answered because he's not getting the answers he wants, so he goes storming off to the manager, and then the people behind the desk, Celine being one. Uh, just just gives her a smug look, and uh, she's distressed. It's this is not an easy job when you're in that kind of an industry. It's mm-hmm. very hard to get any kind of criticism like that. You know, that's when I notice that my the worst the job that I'm worst at is working a reservations desk in a hotel. Um, but uh, she, you know, she's now attracting undue attention, and she's hiding behind her uniform. And she, but she's also ignoring the reactions to the desk staff since she outranked them, and they were enjoying her embarrassment too much. Yeah, and and you know I had asked SR about why would Celine and Paul enjoy the fact that Acacia was being called out by Breckman? Was it jealousy that she had a higher ranking, 
or was it racism? Because I was wondering when I read that, you know, what was their motivation for being, you know, you know, rude about her getting um, in trouble like that? And Asar said a concierge is more like a manager because of their role. They get to interact directly with guests and report to the manager. They also have incredible networks of contacts and a level of prestige. In addition, a fine concierge will be rewarded by generous gratuities. So for several of these reasons, a desk agent would be jealous of the position. So and, it was from the role. It was and, not racism. And MJ uh, thought racism, and Karen thought it was a little of both. And Betty was saying maybe Pierre <laughs> can try eating other fruits covered in chocolate. This is true. I would, is I would true. be happy to feed him other fruits covered in chocolate. Bananas. <laughs> Orange slices. Peel him some <laughs> grapes, whatever. <laughs> Have some more wine, Pam. Have oh, some more trust wine. me. I, I, I may. I may. If you hear me go silent, it's because I've run to the kitchen to get the uh, bottle. Um, so from that point, she uh, knew she was in trouble and she just didn't know how much. Exactly. So that was chapter one and yeah. uh we were really happy that isar was able to uh answer some of our questions um heading into chapter two uh when she was meeting with monsieur roy um uh, he mr roy reamed her out essentially and said why didn't you tell this guest about marcel and it wasn't a state secret and he was strutting around in his suit with his red rose and I asked SR why did Monsieur Roy wear a red rose on his lapel I thought that was a very Betty like question I'm, I'm aiming to get my Betty like questions in because Betty has the most detail oriented questions of any podcast I've listened to so I said why why the red rose and SR said it signals his position I think and also um, is a bit of pretension so yes, I, I could, I really could good. see him walking around, uh, picking up uh, the uh, college <laughs> pills. Yes, yes. MJ, and, you you're know, a better woman than I. <laughs> <laughs> yes, MJ's not drinking because of Lent, but she mm -hmm. will be joining Pam soon, <laughs> mm -hmm. very soon. Yes. Lori said everything is good covered in chocolate. I cannot agree with you more, Lori. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and Betty also thought they were racist and jealous. Um, Betty can't eat the sweet stuff because of Lent. Mm. You, you both are being very good. Very good. You can have fruit. <laughs> you don't have to have the chocolate, but you can have And I'm fruit. glad I made you laugh, Betty, because <laughs> I, I do. I, when I have these detail-oriented questions, I think that Betty might ask something like this. Um, mm -hmm. I had another question um, in this chapter after she, poor Acacia was getting reprimanded by Monsieur Roy. And I asked SR after he admonished her, Acacia wanted to unleash her favorite Brazilian profanity, and I asked SR, what is her favorite profanity? And he said, filho de puta, which it probably is, he, he said that's probably what she was going through, um, and that would translate to son of a bitch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so she's, you know, so now they, uh, he's gone to the manager has taken her and they're walking to Miss, uh, uh, Monsieur Breckman's suite 
Rick answers the door. Rick's the bodyguard, and he, and he basically closes the door and uh, goes goes off. And they, uh, as he closes the door to go get Mr. Breckman, he's reminding Acacia not to look at the scar and uh, questions why she didn't tell him. Uh, when Mr. Breckman comes in, he, he, he was concerned because he says, you know, I've got to let my security people know. And uh, but he admired her courage. Courage, um, Mr. Mr. Rob welcomes uh, him back to the Hotel Vitois, and he apologizes. But Miss Miss Mr. Beckman Pierre uh, turns it on to Mr. Ra, and he leaves. Um, it does. One of the questions was: Is Pierre had, had asked Rick or addressed Rick with an Oxbridge accent? And then we asked SR if there was any famous person that came to mind, and it says uh, not not a particular person. No. So what I did was I, I went into I just go I just did a YouTube you know Oxford accent and listened to somebody and it's basically comes from the Oxford area of England and it's a very posh accent, and I know we've all followed Fifty Shades, the movie and the Freed and the interviews and stuff and one of the uh, I think it was uh, either Graham Norton or Jimmy Kimmel or one of the interviews that Jamie Dornan did. He was talking about his daughter and how they read, and he's got the Northern Irish accent. And one of the lines in his fame in the book that they have to read one of his daughters every night is, there's a towel and an owl. And so uh, uh, Jamie Dornan's wife is always saying, it says to the daughter, Ask Daddy how to ask Daddy to say that. Ask Daddy to say that. So he says, "So I go it's an all and a tall." And he says, "So his daughter speaks very posh." And I know they live in the Cotswolds area, so that would be part of the. That's around Oxford, in Great Britain. Anyway, so that was my long roundabout explanation of an Oxford Jackson. <laughs> but that was also good. I just was curious if SR had envisioned someone, or if there's an actor that he had in mind that had that sound. Um, just trying to get a little bit more of an idea of, of what he was visualizing for um, Monsieur Breckman. Um, you know, but at this part of the story, um, you know, Cassie was forced to go up and apologize uh, to um, the very important uh, Pierre Breckman. Um, and, you know, Pierre Breckman was not impressed that he was, uh, he was, uh, that Monsieur Roy was making her do that. Um, but he was impressed with uh, her tenacity to try and continue to impress upon him that she's happy to help him. And she ends up uh, being asked to stay, and he asks and learns a little bit more about her. He was intrigued that she went to the Sorbonne and spoke many languages. Um, and then uh, was asking a lot about uh, the security and what exactly was uh, happening around the uh, the time that uh, Marcel was uh, was mugged because um, she said that's what the police had told her. And uh, Mr. Breckman was not impressed with the hotel security at all, um, and really was. Uh, was going to continue to have his own security handle things. 
and they continued on, um, he wanted to get to know her a little bit better. So that's when he started asking her more, not just about her background um, educationally, but if she was from Portugal, because he could detect her accent. And uh, she said, no, she, in fact, she was from Brazil and that she did study at the Sorbonne and uh, that Impressionism was her favorite. And we asked SR why did he select the Impressionists as her favorite period. And he said that they're interesting and beautiful and it made sense for her to be enamored of French art. Um, yeah, and then she was asking, he asked her about a uh, Degas print that was on the wall in, in the hotel. And uh, I, I got the feeling when I was reading this that, he, that, this was the, that he didn't like this particular print in the room. And she told him that no, that it was done by the, the hotel head designers and they put it in. Uh, she, he asked her if she liked Degas. And she told him she preferred Monet, and he was saying that Monet was popular. Uh, but she says she can argue that Degas more popular, considering how many are stolen. Uh, the Gardner Museum heist and the Musée Musée d'Orsay lost Charrosets, and it, that had been on loan in Marseille, and uh, but that had been recovered. So we asked him why did you select the Gardner and the Musée d'Orsay? Uh, thefts as to highlight, and he said because they were the two major art heists of the 20th century. Exactly. Exactly. And the uh, in the chat room, there has been some discussion about who, um, when we were talking about the Oxbridge accent, and who would, uh, you know, if there's an actor, um, mm -hmm. there, uh, Tom Ellis uh, keeps coming up as being Pierre um, it was like seeing him in some scenes in Lucifer. So I guess, um, Tom Ellis is, is he the lead actor in Lucifer? I'm guessing. Yes. Yes. Uh, several... I think Lucifer is a CW series. Mm -hmm. I know it's a television series in the American network, the CW. Um, I've seen commercials. I haven't seen the show. Um, and I know Maite, I'm so sorry. Lo siento. I know she she's trying to understand some of us um i'm hoping at some point the man in the black suit's going to be translated into many different languages um so that many different podcasts can emerge um but i'm so happy you're here please stay with us um and uh, you know we're, we're talking about the book we're talking about the second chapter and i know pam we're almost to the hour mark um, mm -hmm. And are we good with the recording, or do we need to? Yeah, no, we're good. We're good. Okay, I just wanted to check on that. Um, I know as we go in, uh, continuing on that chapter, they talk about Matisse, and uh, he's kind of teasing her, and and a little bit of uh, questioning her, and she she was very much factual that no, that's post impressionism, and. Mm -hmm. um, he was trying to get to know her better. Um, she was being very professional. And then he kind of waded into the, uh, he waded into the discussion about security to help employees because he was concerned um, for her safety and the safety of other employees. 
um, Cassia was asking him if she thought they were in danger. Um, so he really encouraged her to have um, people have someone escort her out at the end of her shift. And uh, he asked if she takes the Metro and she shared with him that she takes the uh, motor, she drives the motorcycle. And <laughs> I think, uh, Pam, you, you, you also agreed with this assessment that Paris drivers are absolutely mad and, and it's a wild ride. Especially, uh, especially around New York, the motorcycle. Mm -hmm. mm. Exactly. Especially around New York, the Triumph. You know, there's a joke. Um, one of the tour people that I was involved with uh, on the trip said that one of the, th and it might have been on a big bus tour. It might, I don't, I forget which, but it, they said that the people that, the Parisians that drive around the Arc de Triomphe, you know, we all have car insurance, but in Paris, you also have to have <laughs> car insurance for just going around the Arc de Triomphe because they come in in every direction. And, you know, you could have someone going, cutting right in front of you that's going to be going up closer to the Arc de Triomphe to go around because it's, it's, it's like a big circle. It's a big roundabout. And they just come in at all angles crazy exactly exactly and and we were asking um sr uh, what type of motorcycle did he envision acacia on um since william rode a triumph and uh he said many parisians drive motorcycles because they're easier to maneuver than a car in parisian traffic i can say that's the same for athens greece because there were tons of motorcycles in athens um, she drives a Moto Guzzi, which is an Italian motorcycle, much smaller than William's large Triumph Roadster. And there actually was a link that I'm going to share with you to show you. Um, and Pam will post it on Twitter. I'll put it in the chat room now if you want to take a little peek of Acacia's bike. So he, he doesn't understand... Uh the lack of concern for the employees at the hotel and uh, today today was not one of Mr. Beckman's better days but he asks Akasha if she, Akasha if she can be discreet and he goes into the into his bedroom and he comes out with a red Cartier box um, she and asks if she can return it she said uh, Marcel had, had made a, arrangements that had to be undone and uh, she's wondering as she's looking at this box if it's a ring uh, but there are other items in there in the bedroom and they were bags that were from Chanel and Louis Vuitton and Modiste and while she gathers everything together she feels sorry because she she, she just the, for the guests because, but she, because of everything that's happened I mean he was supposed to be coming in with this beautiful woman Silka and you know he kind of dissed her and put photos of herself with a, an American actor in, in the tabloids and what have you. And uh, so she felt bad for him, and uh, but she didn't think that he would appreciate that. She asked if there was anything else, and she said no. And as she's getting ready to leave the hotel, she says, I want to make sure, uh, she, she, she's leaving, she tells him to enjoy the artichoke soup with black truffle, which is feigned at Gisavoy. 
So uh, we, we asked him, have you ever tried the artichoke soup at Gisevoy? And we got, perhaps. <laughs> Which I think is a yes. Uh, probably yes. So mm-hmm. um, we also, you know, one of the things that SR did was he also gave us some links, and I'll, I, I did post these, and I'll post them again, um, about what inspired the Hotel Vitoire, which was the uh, Hotel Jurassic, and which is now owned by the Four Seasons. Uh, the suite, which would have been Monsieur Beckman's usual suite, there's a, a picture of what that would look like. There's a, uh, I'll post a link to Guy Savoy's restaurant. And as far as Modiste, the lingerie shop, I have to tell you before I asked, before he sent me the link, I, I went online and I'm going through Google, Google looking for all these Modiste and everything that I could come up with was either Agent Provocateur or um, La Perla, which are the $700 panties that Jessica Simpson was buying when she was asking about Chicken of the Sea, if it was chicken, um, which was actually tuna for those who weren't aware, don't know what Chicken of the Sea <laughs> is. So anyway, he told me that he based it on uh, Louise for leather, and uh, most of it is pretty much made to the person's measurements. It's it's not something you can just go in and buy, even at a high-end store shop. So this is true, and I'll post mm-hmm. these links as well mm-hmm. um, in the chat room. Uh, uh, the ladies liked the motorcycle. A lot of them had not heard of that type of bike before. I hadn't either. So I thought it was cool that he shared. And of course, it would be something fabulously Italian. Um, his attention to details, great. Uh, MJ thinks he probably tried everything he mentions in his books. I would not be surprised. Of course. Um, Betty says the boss sure likes to do a lot of research. I bet he does. <laughs> and some of us are laughing because uh, research means many things to uh, <laughs> many people. Well, well, Kaz can attest to this. We had uh, we had him on one of our Florentine podcasts, and he was we were talking about I don't know what something sexual, and it was all research. <laughs> so research became synonymous with sex, as ha 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 became synonymous with having an orgasm in the <laughs> in the Spanish and Portuguese podcasts. Yes. Lots of research. Lots of research. Lots mm-hmm, of research. Mm-hmm. Um, and MJ also said just like he has to travel to the places he writes about. And <laughs> I agree. I agree. Um MJ said, I think he knows everything he writes about food places. Kez says she loves his attention to detail. <laughs> his research mm-hmm. sounds fun, too. I agree, Essie. Mm-hmm. I agree. And Pierre, Betty says, wow, Pierre loves fancy lingerie. Sounds like Gabriel. Yes. yes. And I think that's a trend um, that we're seeing throughout all the books. Do you not agree, ladies? Well, I do, and I made a com. I, I, you know, he didn't respond to it really, but I made a comment. I guess yeah, about to him oh, when I was questioning him about stuff for either the chapter or any of our questions about having <laughs> must have had a good time researching lingerie. <laughs> <laughs> 
She's very he, much the gentleman, though. I don't think yes, he yes. would have. Uh, he 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 wanted to be respectful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes the best response is no response. No response. And Deliso, you know, <laughs> he has a great eye for detail. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> and speaking cool. about eyes for detail, mm. um, as we were entering chapter three. The Betty question of the week, because every podcast we've had, Betty's had a really good question that she asks. I wonder if SR thinks about this. So then we will ask SR um, what I like to refer to as the Betty question of the week. Mm-hmm. And for chapter three, the Betty question of the week is we ask SR who the first person Acacia had an issue with, because in the chapter, there was a reference uh, that. Uh, Monsieur Roy was saying this is the second infraction that you've had, the second problem with a guest you've had, and you may need to make everything right. Mm-hmm. And SR's response to the question was, that is a very good very question. Very good question. Winky <laughs> face. So, <laughs> Betty, I think you stumped the boss. <laughs> you stumped well, the boss. And, and, and in fairness to the boss... I got the response to that question at 6.23, to be exact, in the morning. And nobody <laughs> heard from him all weekend, and he, he's been out. He's been sick. He's been under the weather. So mm-hmm. she did stomp him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. And Kev said, uh, Betty said he's probably a VIP customer um, mm-hmm. at Modiste. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a assuming it's modiste i could be wrong at one of at one of the places and kaz said mrs reynard is a very fortunate lady <laughs> we agree <Yes>. absolutely um, <laughs> or even if and, it isn't uh, a mrs reynard and it's a a partner reynard that's fine too um yeah. yes very lucky someone is very fortunate um and as jenny yes. says she loves details and we do mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. um as we enter chapter three, it's when uh, Akasi was returning the gifts uh, that had been bought for Silka. And we find that she had a really good interaction uh, with the shop managers. She had really good c- customer service and sales skills. Um, and she was having a very, um, you know, she tried to return everything. The one thing she couldn't return was the uh, custom-made items to Modiste. Um, but as SR wrote, Acacia hoped that Monsieur Breckman would enjoy them. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if he wore them. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I highly doubt it. But I she, she doubt took it care too, of that. But... At the end of the shift, she changed into her jeans and. Uh, had one of the Jormans escort her to the door and then jumped on her motorcycle. Yeah. You know, summer in Paris has got to be is beautiful. Like I know that in October when I was there, the weather was very warm while I was there as well. Uh, so I can imagine what the summers would be like. And uh, she, we got to share a lovely tour of Paris with Acacia as she's she's leaving work she went down by the uh, 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 the Petit Palais and, and all along the Seine and we had a nice tour of the Seine and, and Notre Dame and Notre Dame is 
basically, it's it's called it's on the Ile de, de Cité, I think it is, and it's right off the Pont Neuf, and it's beautiful with the spires and the rose windows and people just sit outside and just look at it. You see a lot of people sketching on the outside. And along the Seine, you see a lot of people just sit with their easels and paints or watercolors or whatever they're using, standing along the uh, side of the, of the, of the Seine and, and drawing and, and uh, the pictures all there through there. Um, it can be uh, a very heavily traveled uh, ride that she takes, but it's a scenic route, so, you know, it's one of those things. It's beautiful. Um, one of the things that she's passing, Notre Dame, she decides that she'd like to go to Mass there sometime. Uh, she's, well, she may not be Catholic, it may, it, it would be, you know, just the experience of being there. And I can attest to that. Um, when I was there, I did go to Mass at Notre Dame, and uh, had a lot of fun with it. But uh, it was it was interesting because when you're sitting by the center altar and you've got the rose window in front of you and and the the cathedral's crowded and, and full of people and there's a little lady who runs around and anybody with a camera she tells them to put their cameras down because you're not supposed to be taking pictures. Of course, when you have a phone, you can sneak them, which I did. But uh, it, it is a gorgeous place. It is a gorgeous place. And it's not as big as you think it is. It's not as big as you might because of the movies and stuff. It's it's, uh, But it was a fun place. And it was a nice place to be. Very peaceful. Very peaceful. And Kez and Lori both uh, think that sounds wonderful. Um, Lori said she would love that. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, also, Betty had... Uh, Going back to Modiste, uh, mentioned that E.L. James has a lingerie collection for Fifty Shades. She says the boss should release a special collection for the Gabriel series, Florentine series, and the man in the black suit. And I actually said I'd love the merchandising idea, mm-hmm. Betty. SR could also have a line of black suits. Mm-hmm. So, I once asked yes. him why black all the time did he wear, you know, and he said because it's the most general of colors that you can wear. As opposed that to like sense. something gray or navy blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there's something of, um, you know, mystery and also mm-hmm. classic. Mm-hmm. Black is classic, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. I even I, I, I thought... even asked him the cut. Is it a double breasted? Is single breasted? Does it have notched collars? Is it a short collar? <laughs> and on and on. And they're notched collars, so exactly. Just so, so you know. Yes. And, and, you know, I, I love this chapter because of the description, um, how descriptive it is of Paris. Um, and the fact that again, he's like, he's giving you a tour. It's like you are taking the journey with him. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's one of the things I love about, um, SR because he's a great storyteller. And I think that's, that's why, um, he's appealing to so many, um, mm-hmm. readers of so many different backgrounds. He's a really good storyteller. And uh, one of the questions I had, because they were, as they were turning away from Notre Dame, as she was, as she was driving by, um, she also noticed the house of Eloise and Abelard, and Acacia had disliked their story because she thought Abelard was manipulative and controlling. 
and Eloise had been foolish and codependent. Um, so she paid her respects as she drove by. And I had actually asked the uh, question um, about about the books and about Eloise and Abelard. First of all, as, as those of you who are on Wednesday know, um, I did not realize that Eloise and Abelard were actually real live people. I thought they were fictional. So again, SR, the prof great professor taught me um, that there was uh, Eloise and Abelard. Um, and I asked the question, the letters of Eloise and Abelard played a key role in the Gabriel series. And you included a nod to the lovers in the book, uh, the man in the black suit. Why did you include the reference? What draws you to their story? And did you study Abelard's writings? Because Abelard was a uh, philosopher and a great teacher. Um, and uh, so, and I asked SR this, he said, if you look at a map of Paris, you'll see that the house of Eloise and Abelard is very near to Notre Dame. So it would make sense for Acacia to travel by it. And he finds their story and correspondence fascinating. So there were actually uh, letters written between these two over a period of 20 years. Um, and they are apparently very compelling. And as you remember, the Gabriel series, uh, they played a role in uh, Julia and Gabriel's uh, relationship. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And we have a lot of comments going on in the chat room. Mm -hmm. um, Lori was, I'm trying to catch up. Uh, I know Susie was out for a little bit because she had a phone conversation with her daughter. I hope her daughter's well. Mm -hmm. Lots of comments about hankies. Um, hankies are important. Hankies Especially are Especially in Florence. <laughs> as Kez says, there's always a good hanky moment. Yes, um, as long as you're clean. <laughs> and, and, and when we were talking about how specific he is, um, you know, he's such a good storyteller, Lori says, because you can picture what he describes in his writing. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yes. Um, and uh, Maite loves that story. Uh, Susie also did not know that about Eloise and Abelard. I, and... MJ says he takes his time writing, but when you have his book in your hands, you know you have a masterpiece. Um, mm -hmm. Betty never saw uh, Eloise and Abelard's love story like that. She thought Acacia has an interesting take on their story. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, Lorraine, his stories have a way of staying with you and becoming a part of you. That's true. That's true. Why do you think I went to Florence? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Uh, mm -hmm. So, as 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 we've got, and, and and actually, the the house is on the um, if you're if you're driving up the uh, toward the same towards the Latin Quarter, going into where um, uh, Cassia lives, Heloise and Abelard's home is right near there. And what I didn't know when I was in Paris, I didn't realize, and what, I, what I'm sorry I missed, because it was one of the things I wanted to do, was to go to Pierre Lachaise. Um, I wanted to go because Jim Morrison was buried there, but I believe Abelard is also buried there, and um, Victor Hugo's buried there, 
and I think Voltaire is also buried there. And so that I, it, it literally is like right behind their home. If I had known that, I would have, you know, but sometimes you don't get to do what you always want to do when you go to those, go, go away. Um, next time, Pam, next time. That's right, when <clears throat> I win my lottery. So uh, when you look at, um, when you're standing in front of uh, Notre Dame, the street there, the street that runs beside it to when you're facing it, it's on your right hand side. If you take that up, I think to the next intersection, make a right, and then your first left, you go up there, and that is Rue de Saint Jacques. And when you reach the top of Rue de Saint Jacques, uh, the Rue de Soufflé, de Soufflé is right there, and that is where Cassia lives. That's where her apartment is. She has a corner of studio apartment on the third floor. And um, if you notice in the picture when I, you know, that I post on Twitter about the cafe, it is directly across the street from where her apartment is. Her apartment would have a beautiful view uh, if she's looking out her window. Um, she could see the straight ahead. She could probably see the Eiffel Tower at night. If you go the other direction, uh, you have the gardens. Uh, I think it's the Luxembourg Gardens that are, are down at the end of the street. And it's it's the Sorbonne, the buildings of the Sorbonne all surround it. And it, there's a lot of great little shops, little bookstores. And um, it, it was, uh, you know, like uh, there's one little one I walked into and, and they have, of course, they have the little prince, the little princes, uh, synonymous with French literature for children, and they have it. They had pictures. They have books of that and Star Wars and all kinds of stuff. Plus souvenir shops. It was real. It's really really cool. And um, uh, thanks, MJ. Have a great St. Patrick's Day to you too. Um, and, but in any event, uh, you go, when you go up, that's where she she lives. It's a small studio, and she's getting some cheap rent because uh, her friend's parents own it, and they're helping her out. Uh, rents in Paris, like all of the big cities, London, New York, uh, Los Angeles, they're all ex extremely high. Um, one of the things that I noticed about Acacia is that she kind of hides from people, uh, from socializing with friends and her co-workers. And because she runs into her her room, her one of her neighbors, Kate, who shares an apartment with somebody else in the building, and and Kate wants her to come to this party, and has been trying to fix, been trying to fix her up with this guy who's having the party, and he happens to be a reporter for Le Monde, which is a uh, uh, like the New York Times of Paris. So, you know, that's. Uh, I, I just I just got that feeling that she's kind of closing herself off from people a little bit. Yeah, I agree. She 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 she's very professional, but she's very reserved. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And she is. I think I think that's uh, you know I I think that's kind of the way she goes through life. And mm -hmm. I know that can be. That, you know, it can be challenging, and I know she's probably tired after a long day, especially mm -hmm. a trying day at work, at which she had. And I, you know, I just love as she walks in, and she goes, "Zola Fofo." Mm -hmm. Now I just loved the fact she calls her cat Fofo, 
mm-hmm. um, because as many people uh, who listen to the Florentine series uh, can attest, Fofo is uh, uh, has a one of Willie's nicknames. Willie's nickname, the Fofo. So, yes. <laughs> um, you know, she's talking to her cat as she comes in and. His true name is Claude, and we asked SR, why and how did you select Claude as the name of Acacia's pet? <laughs> yes, Betty, Fofo's little cousin. <laughs> and um, so SR said that his cat was named after Claude Monet, the, the painter, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. makes perfect sense. But when I was reading this, I would never have put that together. I did not realize that... Um, that Claude was named for Monet. I nope. thought that was cool. Well, Claude's a very common name in Paris. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bye, S.C. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, S.C. Have a good ha- St. Patrick's Day yourself. Yes. And uh, Lorraine says she loves how all the books share a connection. I agree. Mm-hmm. That's, that is why it's, um, it's so much fun. And you want to read all of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, um, it was interesting that she's questioning in her mind what Marcel may be doing and with as far as uh, Pierre Breckman goes. And uh, so she's she decides she's, while she's eating, she's going to Google him. And she's looking at uh, his online presence, which... You know, as as SR has mentioned in the past, and and I think the Gabriel series never trust Wikipedia, but he does have something out there. He does have a page out there with, which gives a little bit of information. Uh, we know that he's a foodie. Um, we also know that he's from Monaco, and he likes European football. So I asked SR which team, and he said that it would be Monaco's football club that he would likely cheer for because I'd also wondered if he was um, you know if it was like the French national team or whatever uh, and that's what his answer was but he also likes excellent restaurants that's true but he's a little bit different than Gabriel who's known for being impatient with mediocrity (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was good (laughs) yes <laughs> Gabriel. <laughs> Gabriel is not always the most patient. No, he's but he's not. getting better. He's yeah. Well, that's Julia's influence. Right. Well, by book four, you know, I think he'll maybe tame down a little bit. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> but we also know that Pierre Breckman is not a womanizer, and that he was really um, when it came to Silka, I couldn't, I I couldn't quite understand whether he was emotionally hurt by Silka and her what she did or whether it was a betrayal or a combination Mm -hmm. so that that to me was uh was kind of what I was looking at looking into so while she's reading all this she's she's playing with her necklace that's underneath her neckline and she has a Hamsa pendant and um in my looking up for the Hamsa, I know that it, it, it was the, it means the hand of God. Uh, and it there's a symbol, it's a symbol for not just um, Judaism, but it's also in Islam. It's also in some of the Eastern traditions, I've seen it. And uh, Christians also, a lot of Christians wear the Hamsa as well. 
So I, I found that interesting. And uh, we, you know, so it, it was just, and un, we didn't understand why she was wearing a hamsa, basically. So, it, and again, it's, it, it would be like wearing a cross or wearing a Star of David as far as she goes. Yes, and uh, both uh, Kez and Susie have to uh, have to leave. In fact, Susie said she needs to go soon as she has to vote today. So happy election uh, day to election our Australian day, yes. friends. Uh, have a great one. <laughs> yes, yes. I hope it's I hope it's uh, successful, and I'm glad you're able to participate. So that's yes. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's nice you have it on a Saturday, so you get more people to vote. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thanks again. So thank um, you, Kaz, for coming. Thanks, Susie. Yes. Yeah. So. And uh, the Hamsa, I thought was, I thought it was great. And I, I, I mentioned this on. I'm trying to remember if I actually mentioned it on the podcast or before. But last year, when I was in Florida, around the same time of year, I came across an art festival, and I actually bought earrings um, that ha- were Hamsa. Uh, earrings and uh, I recently just I had put them away in my drawer and I recently rediscovered them and I couldn't believe it I was like I cannot believe I had my Hamsa earrings as I was getting ready for the podcast Mm -hmm. so very very um, it it is a great um, I love this I love the symbol I love the look of it um, and the fact that it's used in many religions appeals to me as well yeah Uh, so, and Betty didn't know that about Acacia's necklace, so she appreciates the explanation of the Hamsa hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, as, as we were going on, uh, she, she was trying to determine, as she was in her apartment, she really was going over and trying to figure out um, not just about Monsieur Breckman, but about exactly what had been going on um, with Marcel and what they were trying to do. And she was, as she was Googling and researching, she came across, um, she came across the internet, uh, pictures of Silka with the American film star on the yacht. And Acacia recognized what a cruel, display that was and she had a moment of understanding about why indeed Mr. Breckman may have been uh, irritable when she first encountered him mm-hmm. so that I thought was really uh, powerful and you know she went on to kind of think about why why Monsieur Breckman was so insistent on Marcel and what was he up to what was he going on through um, and really trying to figure out what oh, exactly was. she he was up to um, that may have led to his uh, being uh, in trouble, you know. As she was contemplating this, uh, she was going in to rest, and she was contemplating one of her favorite paintings, uh, which uh, you may have seen on Twitter earlier when Pam had posted um, them from our podcast uh, account. 
Twilight Venice, and she loved this piece. It was actually one of her favorite paintings, um, and I loved the line, if she focused very hard, she could forget everything around her and disappear into the painting. Um, it just is such a beautiful work that and is currently housed at the Bridgestone Museum of Art in Tokyo. Um, and, you know, that really was one of the thing, one of the paintings that she really fell in love with when she began studying Impressionism. You know, in, when, when we, I was thinking about it, and there's a museum in Philadelphia called the Barnes Foundation that Dr. Barnes started, oh, I guess probably in the 40s sometime, and he's collected all kinds of art world from art from around the world, Renoir's, uh, Matisse, uh, Monet's, Manet's, uh, Pissarro's. Um, and he's not just into Impressionism, but he has a, a couple of Van Gogh's and, and some others. So one of the paintings that I was looking at where you can really, I could see the movement of what he likes, and it's called the Boat Studio. And it's, you know, it's this boat just going down a little, little stream there and you can actually see like the wake of the boat it's just so cool just so very cool so and that is how he became the founder Gorgeous. of the French Impressionism and expressing nature through one's perceptions so really really great yeah so that um, kind of that kind of wraps up what we've gotten to through chapter three um, and uh, one of the things that we've uh, been doing uh, uh, for that we've been asking for are some like affirmations uh, with the hashtag SR affirmations. And I think Leslie, you have them. Um, yes, yes, I have a couple of them. Um, and this idea, of, I think most of you have heard this, but some of the you, of you who may not have been able to join us on other podcasts, the idea came um, from. Uh, exercise I used to do teaching uh, Sunday school uh, to eighth graders and we had this journal called the attitude the at the gratitude journal and we had the kids come up with something that they were thankful for at least one thing they were thankful for any week it could be chocolate it could be their mom it could be anything but it was a really nice way to kind of try and focus on something positive and even when things are really tough especially in eighth grade when you're in middle school and that can be a very rough time. Um, you know, it's trying to help the kids understand that there are good things you can focus on um, in the world. And we had a couple of them this week. I actually, um, I, I put out the affirmation this week that I'm thankful that the Gabriel series pod uh, fan podcast uh could join us today so thank you Betty for joining us that was my affirmation earlier in the earlier in the um, weeks we had a lovely post from uh, Lady J so Judith had said the worldwide kindness friendship and happy joyous moments I find with you all um, she is thankful for and then even tonight while we were in the podcast uh, we had a lovely uh, affirmation from Tierra, I believe. Uh, he takes you to so many different places you wish you could visit and introduces amazing characters. So these are just some um, wonderful thoughts to have for the week. And I think it's a nice way to 
uh, wrap up our podcast. And Mm -hmm. again, we are thankful that you were all able to join us for this wonderful uh, birthday celebration of Acacia. You know, I almost said Anastasia, right? (laughs) (laughs) Wrong podcast. Really. (laughs) And we've also, we also had some nice birthday wishes from Noches and Valencia. Uh, Happy birthday, dear Acacia. May your day be filled with memorable moments in company of Nicholas. And thank you for sharing with, sharing with us your strength, your beautiful heart. Your uh, prize to all Latin women and an inspiration to us all as well. And also the Gabriel series podcast has also wished Acacia happy birthday and hope that Nicholas treats her well. So, which I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. So, yes. So, and we're we- so happy, Lori. Thanks. That I'm glad you like the idea. Um, I, I'm sure you did not overcomplicate it. Uh, don't be hard on yourself. Um, we just want you to be able to think about something you're thankful for and, and have some uh, some positivity in our lives. Mm-hmm. Just trying to share the share the joy. Share the love. Yes, share the love. That's so. great. So we thank you all for joining us, and uh, we hope you have a pleasant, the rest of your Friday night is good, and a very happy St. Patrick's Day and uh tomorrow and uh enjoy uh eat lots of good irish food not corned beef and cabbage and um you know have a have a guinness or two you don't have to have a lot guinness or two is good for you as they attest to in ireland and dublin at the uh hops brewery so um we will be back on uh wednesday night at five and we will be doing uh the uh, chapter four and I believe chapter five and five yeah yeah of the man in the black suit so and then we'll be back next month for our Friday night uh our Friday night podcast yes so we all we hope you have a great weekend everybody and enjoy the day we'll speak with you all soon take care Mm -hmm.